0: Hi, this is Paul Butler. I'm the Senior Pastor of New Heart Baptist Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We hope that this podcast will be a great blessing to you and encourage your life. I want to talk to you about the finger of God. It's an interesting little term. And it occurs in a, in a passage. Um, um, if we could just move that on. Aaron, My buzz is not working. Okay, try it again. Ah. Oh. Yeah, the finger of God occurs in a passage in Luke, which we're about to read. But there are three things I would like to, to work with you through today. First of all, what is the finger of God? Um, you know, God is, is not visible. He is invisible. So the question obviously comes to your mind and mine. Does God have a finger? And if so, which one? Does he have eight plus thumbs? Well, we're going to talk about that. Uh, What does does kingdom come look like in the Gospels? What does kingdom come? In the Lord's Prayer, it says, our Father. I love that because immediately I go, I'm a child. He's my Father. And it wasn't my Father. Our culture would love that if the Lord's Prayer started, my Father who is in heaven and I can do church on my own. right it's our father it's always family i think god's italian <laughs> it's all about family all my italian and greek friends all about, it's paul it's all about family our father who is in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come what does that phrase kingdom come mean what does it look like in the gospels matthew mark luke and john with jesus what did he say and do that revealed this kingdom come because He was saying to his disciples, I'm I'm telling you, I have a father and now he's our, your father. I want you to enjoy what I've got. So you pray to him, he's our father. And he's got a kingdom that he wants to see come. And you're going to see that that kingdom looks exactly like God's kingdom in heaven, which is his perfect will, authority and power displayed on the earth. What does kingdom come look like in the Gospels? And finally, what does the finger of God and the kingdom come look like for us today as those who are children, sons and daughters of God? And um, we're going to look at that. Um, uh, We're going to read this passage from Luke. If you can't read that, that's okay. You can look it up in your Bible if you've got one or if you haven't, get your friend to show you how to download the, the app on your smartphone. Um, and we're going to read this together. Now, he was casting out a demon. This is Luke chapter 11. At the beginning of Luke chapter 11, you actually have Jesus teaching his disciples the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's probably better described as the disciples' prayer because I don't, I'm not sure that Jesus actually prayed this particular prayer because when it gets to forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin, Jesus didn't... For, Need to be forgiven for sins because he didn't sin. Interesting thought. Anyway, we'll keep going. Um, now, he was casting out a demon that was mute. A demon that was mute. Mm, interesting. When the demon had gone out, the man mute man spoke. So this demon actually stopped this guy from speaking. Uh, he could not speak. There is actually a, a, go, a young guy in the Kereni congregation who is unable to speak, and I think it's because he has a hearing issue, and they communicate through text, and they've created their own sign language. I don't think that's a demon. It's just that he has his inability to speak, in his case, because he can't hear. But some of them said, he casts out demons by Beelzebul. Beelzebul is another word for Satan or devil. Uh, The prince of demons, while others to test him, kept seeking him for a sign from heaven, there's this real cynical attitude, probably from the Pharisees. It doesn't say there, but um, it's some. It's they're described as some of them, and, and they're looking uh, to to really undermine and question Jesus's ministry. And so they they pull out the big one: you don't do this because of God; you're doing this because of Belzebub. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Belzebub, and if I cast out demons by Belzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Jesus is having a bit of a shot at them. In the time of Jesus, the rabbis, the Pharisees, people who had demonic uh, oppression in their life would go to them and they would exercise a spirit out of those people sometimes it worked many times it didn't in jesus's ministry he was known for healing the sick and casting out demons it was his reputation if you were sick if you had a demon you found jesus and you went to him because he had a hundred percent strike rate he was batting at, in, a, in the big bash league. He was batting at 300. They will, they will be your judges, but it is, but," he goes, "But it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you." Now you've got to get into that audience's mind. when Jesus said, "If it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you." What would they have thought when they heard the word finger of God? Maybe they thought of the Ten Commandments. Yeah. They might have thought of any one of these three things. In Exodus, when God has pronounced a judgment on Egypt, the Egyptian magicians saying the finger of God has come upon us because a, a there were 10 plagues coming upon Egypt and they recognized this had come from outside of their magic. And they said, the finger of God has come upon us. Then God God releases all of Israel from the bondage of slavery to Egypt. He takes them into the wilderness and he takes Moses up Mount Sinai, asks him to take two two tablets of stone and God's finger writes on these two tablets of stones, the 10 commandments. On the first occasion, Moses goes down. He discovers that the second, while he's been up the mountain, they've actually created a a graven image like a a golden bull calf. And they'd set it up and said, that's the God who brought us out of Egypt. (laughs) That was a thing. i I've just seen God write, do not make idols. And I come down and the first thing I see you've done is you've made an idol. And he just threw down the tablets and they smashed he went back up the mountain, and God rewrote those. He wrote them twice by his finger on the tablets. And then we have a story in Daniel where uh, a king is about to be judged by God, and, it's, and they see on a wall a finger writing the words "meeny, meeny, tickle, parson," and, and Daniel interprets that and says, "Tonight, your reign will be over, and a new king will be placed in place." It was a pronouncement of God's plan for that king. That's what I think they thought of when Jesus said, the finger of God has come upon you. The finger of God is where God's will, his authority, and his power come. It's like this. It could be on in, in the situation in, um, in, the, in the plagues. It was, it was a, of darkness and locusts and plagues of frogs. It was this massive move of God's will. He said, let my people go. If you don't let them go, this is what's going to happen. And then it happened. It was God revealing his will. It was God revealing his authority over all things. It was God revealing his power. It's, it's like he had a finger, but we know God doesn't have a finger. It's kind of this picture of God's power being released on the earth. Um, I'm going to come back to that. Richard told us a story about the two gardens in his word to us this morning. I just want to un- get you to understand what this finger of God and the kingdom come is looking like. At the beginning of the Bible, you have this picture of God's intended purpose for humans. And it was this. God made humans both physical and spiritual. We are the only creatures in all of creation, in the physical and the spiritual creation, that were made physical and spiritual. When the Bible says God made humans in his image, it wasn't that he made them physically like him because God is spirit. He doesn't have a body. But it says that he made him like him, and that likeness is in the spirit. God, we are made spirit. No other animal, no other part of creation is spiritual by nature, but we are. We were born, we were created to be filled with God's presence and breath. That song we sang, it's your breath in my lungs. For a Christian, you get filled with God. When you receive Jesus as king of your life, he puts breath in your life. Adam received the breath of God in his life and he was made spiritual being. who is made like God. That was God's initial plan. God, in the second picture there you see, God was the creator king. He was ruling and reigning with God and he created humans to rule and reign with him. At the end of the Bible, you see the same picture. God is king. He is the creator king and he's restored humans to this position of rulers with him and we rule in the physical realm and in the spiritual realm. Unfortunately, in the garden... When humans decided to rule themselves and to decide what good and evil look like for themselves, they gave away this authority and power to rule with God, and they gave it to who? Satan said, If you do what I tell you to do, then you will be like God. The problem was they were already. He lied. We got sucked in. We gave it away. And every generation since, has that's what sin is. Sin is just me deciding what's right and wrong. I don't need God to tell me. I'll do it myself. Some of us can be really good people, right? But I'm still deciding without God what's good and what's evil. I can say God can think something is evil when I say, yeah, I think that's good. God goes, that's what sin is. You ruling yourself you not acknowledging that I actually created you and I make the rules. I know how humans are meant to live. So the accuser, Satan, says, trust me. They trusted him and he became their ruler. He, we became captive to him. And from that point on, sin, death and Satan became our prison. So the good news is that God never left it there, as Richard said, and that God sent his son to become human, to actually represent by physical and spiritual man who was actually fully devoted to the rule of God in his life. Jesus was King Jesus. And when he came, he said this, i got good news. I'm the king and the king is here. Why? Because he perfectly followed his father's plan. God's perfect design was his design and he was ruled by God and he became ruling with God. He became the perfect God and man. He became perfect physical, perfect spiritual. He became what Adam was meant to be and what we will one day be when we follow Jesus. So what happened was is that Jesus came and he looked at the world and he looked at what the accuser was doing with people and he saw the accuser, the devil, He's actually destroying the lives of humans who are under his control. And he looked at that and he said, right, I'm taking him on. And he went one by one into people's lives and he saw different ways in which people were under the power and rule of Satan. And he went to each one and he found out what was hurting, what was broken, and he started to look at that. It was either with lots, lots, there's so many different ways that our lives can be under the control of the accuser and the liar, Satan. We give ourselves to his rule. And he happily disregards everything that God has to say. He wants to destroy us. He would do anything for us to be in the same position as he is, which is eternally judged. He wants to take as many with him. But King Jesus, the perfect God and man, comes and he destroys the work of Satan when he dies and when he rises from the dead. And those who believe in that get the benefit. Those who believe that God comes in the form of a human to live a perfect life as the perfect God and the perfect man get restored with God and they are no longer under the power and the rule of Satan and they become new creations. See this little guy down here? What he's done is he's trusted in what Jesus has done on the cross and he becomes a brand new creation that's why the Bible talks about you becoming born again and here's the cool thing what happens after the guy gets newly created what's the next diagram see if you can interpret my drawings what happens once this new person has become their physical and spiritual has been restored What happens? What's the line leading to? What is being dethroned and who is it affecting? Another person. This one here. This is somebody else who's affected by this person now being restored to the rightful place to rule and reign with God, which is what God intended. Every person who here who believes in what Jesus has done for them is being restored. You now have got a golden crown over your head it's what god intended for you and for all humanity to be and in the end of revelation you see and these are my people god is my god is our god and we are his people and we are ruling and reigning with him on the earth and both physical and spiritual realm are perfected by god and we get to live in a perfect place humans 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 all us humans here we are designed by god to know god and to be filled with god's spirit so that we can rule and reign with him on the earth now and forever. This is good news. So if I go back, I've done it again. Aaron, if you could get me back to my front slide. Thank you. All right. So let's go and talk about this question here. What does the kidna cum look like in the gospels? Can anybody tell me what that picture reminds me? If you know the Bible, what does that picture, what story does that picture remind you of? Okay, that's in the John. I think it's in John eight, where people um, who are very angry with Jesus and wanting to trap him bring a woman that they believe was caught in adultery for Jesus to judge. And in Deuteronomy, we learn that one of the commandments of God was that if someone's caught in adultery, you must bring two witnesses, uh, and you bring them to the gate, and there a judge will decide whether the witnesses are telling the truth. And if they are telling the truth, a harsh reality was if you're caught in adultery, you were stoned. However, if if witnesses bear false witness or there's not enough witnesses to judge someone, that person is found not guilty. But if, if someone bears false witnesses or says that someone's guilty of something and they can't prove it, that person is stoned. So who wants to be a witness? Who wants to be caught in adultery? No one. And this story comes that they come and they are angry with Jesus and they're wanting to see, would Jesus go soft on this adulterous woman? Or would he fulfill the law and keep the law like a good rabbi? So in the story, we have two occasions where they're throwing accus- uh, accusing stories about this woman and looking to see what Jesus is going to do. And the finger of Jesus does this. Twice. What does that remind you of? Twice. How many tablets did Jesus... What is the finger of God? It is the revealed will, authority and power of God. The God who is invisible takes on hands. The God who writes on stone of tablet, is now writing in the sand. What is he writing? We don't know. Perhaps he's writing... A person caught in adultery must be stoned. But there must be, in the second time, but there must be two witnesses. And Jesus says, who accuses this person... He's looking for the two righteous witnesses. And it says, let him who has not sinned throw the first stone and then they left. Did they really have a case against this woman? It doesn't appear so. I don't know what Jesus is writing here, but what I know is this. At that very moment, the finger of God moved. And the kingdom came into that woman's life. And he says to her, go. Sin no more. How did that change her life? She was about to be killed, judged. And Jesus says, not guilty. That's called mercy. How did, what does the kingdom look like? What does the finger of God look like in the Gospels? It looks like three things. It looks like a message. It looks like miracles. And it looks like mercy. Do you know every person in this room needs God's rule? Some, all of us need God to powerfully come into our life and change us. All of us need his transforming love and grace and mercy. Some of us need physical things to change So Jesus comes and many of the times throughout the Gospels we see that Jesus comes and like the the mute man that we read in 11, he could not speak. And so the miracle that he needed right at that moment was that God would overcome the demon in him that prevented him from speaking. As a result of that miracle, what do you think the man who had a demon in him is going to do? he's going to listen to the message would he have considered this act of power and authority and revelation from jesus to tell that demon to get out of him and now he could speak do you reckon that made him feel like god's mercy had come upon his life think of any story in the gospels uh, where people have the finger of God touch their life. It could be the, uh, like the adulterous woman. It's just this word of mercy. It could be like the, the man who can't speak and all of a sudden he can speak. It could be like Jesus touching a leper who, who, that made him unclean. It could be Jesus touching the, the, the funeral cart where the, the young boy is dead and Jesus touches him and makes himself unclean ritually but actually brings this boy back to life. You think of the time when Jesus is sitting on the mountain and telling people his, his message, his words, the kingdom of God is for those who are poor, those who are mourning, those who have nothing. The king, And, and the, the finger of God, this revealed message of God, Jesus is saying, this is what the kingdom is like. And it comes like this. And it touches people's heart and there's an explosion and a transformation in them. It can come through a miracle. It comes through a word. It can come through an act of kindness and mercy that people recognise is the finger of God. And here's the good news, people. It doesn't stop with Jesus. We go back to our slide and we ask the the question... What does the finger of God and the kingdom look like for us? Well, here's what it looks like. A thousand million different things. How many people are currently living on the planet Earth? How many? Seven billion? Something like that. Do you know how many different ways God has to tell them how much he loves them? About seven billion point something, something, something. It's the same core message, but the approach to touch people's lives is specifically connected by God to that person where they're at, where they've been, and where they're going to be. And here's the cool thing, that applies to you. And somehow in God's big plan, his finger comes on your life, he changes you, and then he says, now what I've done in you, go and share that with somebody, to be uniquely special for them. Because when God put you on the planet... And when God put his spirit in you, what he did, he said, I've got a plan that's uniquely, specifically for you to fulfill. It's called my good works in Christ. And when you fulfill those good works in Christ, it's going to look different to the way anybody else is going to do it. You're going to meet people that no one else will meet and you're going to have a message or a way or a a manner in which you do it that no one else has got and it's going to be perfectly for that person because I love that person and I love you and I put you together. That's how the kingdom of God comes. It's when Jesus rules in you and then it comes out and that finger is God's will and power revealed through you. Now Jesus has got a finger and he's got a body. He didn't get rid of that when he went back to heaven but he's also got a body and it's you and you've got a finger and the power of God living in you is coming out of you. So This is where I finish with you telling me stories. How have you seen the finger of God at work in your life or in the life of others through you? Got any stories? I'm coming down. Got any stories of how God, you saw God's finger come through you? Simo and I think Sonia, where's where's our microphone? Where's our mic? Who was he? He brought it back. Uh, while we're waiting, uh, last Sunday night, a young man came to church. He got brought by, he rang up one of our um, night church people and said, Can you bring me to church? He hadn't been to church for three months. Simon, just come and grab this. And um, uh, during the word, Roger shared about the kingdom coming. And um, he just wanted to get his life right with God. He'd been coming to church. He's a Christian. But he met a girl who was a pagan witch. And uh, he fell in love with her. And so in order to keep her, she said, you have to convert to paganism if you want to be with me. So he did. And he, he committed himself to paganism, which is the worship of Satan and use of witchcraft power. He actually dedicated himself to a spirit that revealed itself to him. And um, I can't remember the name of the the spirit. But he came to church, heard what the message that Roger shared, and said, that's it. What I've done was so wrong. I know who who God is. I know who Jesus is. What I've done is I've given myself to a demonic power. I don't want that anymore. So he said, can you pray for us afterwards? And Josh, uh, who brought him to church and I just... Came, sat with him and and we prayed prayed with him, and we just got him to tell God how sorry he was for doing that. Which he, I said, what do you want to say to God? He said, I want to tell God I'm really sorry. I sold out on him. I said, well, just tell him that now. And he prayed this beautiful prayer of recommitting his heart to Jesus. He was so sorry that he gave him his his the control of his life to this spirit, and that spirit had an influence in his life. You know what? After that, um, I just felt like uh, he had a tattoo on his arm, and I just felt like the Lord drew my attention to it. And we got the. Uh, and I, I noticed the tattoo. I said, What does that tattoo mean? And he told us what it meant. There was nothing spiritual, it was just this thing that he came up with. And I just said, Let's just, I just feel like God wants us to, just, just to pray for you about that tattoo and reveal anything to us about that. So Josh got this word, uh, and it had a particular. A picture on it, but, but it was filled with colors and it was just a I don't know what you call it a di- it wasn't a diagram that's the wrong, a, just a graphic thing. It had no meaning to it. And Josh just got words from God over there. there was red, green, and blue and then we said the, the red is that Jesus has died for you and his blood covers you. The green is he's restoring and giving you new life blue is the grace that covers your life and this is an arrow and this reminds you of and and the guy's going yes i'll remember that i'll remember that i'll remember that he's got a tap in his arm that god can recall, get him to call his faithfulness now right now during that time the finger of god was at work in that guy and a young guy working with me was getting god revealing his heart for this through a tap and through this guy's repentance. That's what it looks like in one illustration. But there are thousands of different ways. Simo, just tell us your one.
1: Um, a year ago, well, I think it was when we were doing the renovations. We had church out there. I stood up there and um, gave a testimony. I, I got sentenced. So I, I was in Fish as a Man for a year and a half and I'm facing all these charges. And I got up there and I let you guys know that you know, they wanted to put me away for three and a half years, or three years, I think it was, and, um, you know, they let me go. <coughs> time served, I did three months. but um, So that was pretty much this exact time last year. And a couple of weeks ago in the mail, I, I got a letter. I've been awarded uh, as a local legend for the work I've been doing for Fishers and Men. Somebody nominated me for, um, I didn't know about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> So that was during COVID. We all hit the streets crazy, you know what I mean? Like we all went out and we just, we smacked up the devil. Exactly like you said, we <laughs> were crowds, you know what I mean? We did. That's exactly what we did. We, we smashed him. And um, all, all year we did that. And we, we're still doing it, all the boys. But uh, someone recognised, I don't know, someone put my name for it. But I got a letter in the mail and I mentioned it to one of the boys. And he goes, you know what, Simo, I was sitting with you in court a year ago. Wes was there, weren't you, Wes? Yes, mate. Yeah. One of the fondest memories of my life. Brothers, you know, ex crims, sitting there. I'm in the dock with two guards next to me, waiting for the judge to go, yep, send him away for three years. And they let me go. Okay. Because of Jesus and the work he did. Like you said, he came into my heart. I invited him. I said, I can't do it anymore. I didn't even know what was going on. But he got in there and he cracked it open, and there was an explosion and a chronic transformation. You know what I mean? <laughs> And if you
0: uh, go back to that, um, uh, if you go back to that story of the diagram of he's a new creation, and now he's setting other people free because he's realised that Jesus set him free to set others free, and so he is telling people, you got to know what God's done for me because He can do it for you. It's just pass on the good stuff, right, <laughs> Sonia?
2: Um, I. know that God's given me the Ministry of Supply Teaching, not only to the children that I work with, but the staff of a particular school where I've had my kids grow up. And I think it's a real honour. But I've never really seen a great lot of things happen or work. This last few days, we had a PD, or professional development, and I go along as part of my uh, getting to know the school and what the procedures are, etc. We have to do training. But we got... Uh, four of our supply ladies, the first time together, the whole four of us, and then three of us went up to the staff room because we had a block time and the teachers went back to class. And suddenly, this lady was sharing her heart and her issues with a relationship that she's had, and the last beside me, Neri, um, who is of Egyptian background, was also sharing different things. And I thought I'd listen and and just. Um, and then the next day, as we got together. Um, She continued to discuss the issues and Neri talked a little bit more about herself because I've known her for a number of years but I've never got to know her. And then uh, she said, oh, my uh, my husband's uncle died yesterday and the funeral was today. And I twigged and I went, is he Muslim? And she said, yes. And then she started to share a bit about her faith in just small ways. And I was just blown away. And then we've been talking about Alpha one of the little things that they suggested with Alpha was pray for two people who might come, pray for two people who won't come, and then pray for two people you would unexpectedly think would come. And I believe Neri's on that list. Mm. So I'm really praying that it might be an opportunity to share Jesus with her.
0: Hey, that's awesome. Can I just, um, just stay there? Um, can you see this crowd? <laughs> Um, Actually, as I look around, there's heaps of people with crowns. What does that crown represent? Who gave her the crown? He's the ruler and he's then reconnected us to the idea that we were created to rule with him, right? So she's wearing a crown, you can't see it. It's a spiritual crown. Guess what? In Revelation, it says we get to throw those crowns down as an act of honor to God at when He establishes His forever kingdom, where physical world and the spiritual world are perfected again, and we get to be with Him forever. Now, we get to throw them down, and He goes, "Ah, oh, yeah, but you have got to rule and reign with me. You're going to have them back. It's great that you threw them down, but I want you to have them back because ideally, I want this to be a collaboration." You guys, when you go into your schools, your work, your wherever, you're wearing a crown that represents the kingdom's ready to come. He's just saying, just find out where there's broken, find out where there's lostness, find out where there's a lack of hope, find out where there's despair, bring my my message. It could be just, you know what? I'll be praying for you. You know what? That's really tough. Words of kindness. Sometimes you get to tell people how much God loves them. That's cool. Sometimes it's a brokenness that requires a gift of healing to come into their life. Sometimes it's a mercy where their back fence blew over. They've got no money to fix it. They're not insured and they've got no way of fixing it and they've got two dogs that are going to get out. So they can't get their dog out and you decide that you're going to get friends from church to buy the resources and rebuild the fence. And that person says, why would you do this for me? And you go, I love you and God loves you. And begins a story where God's kingdom comes like this through mercy. Get it? If there's seven billion people, there's seven billion different ways that the kingdom can come and the finger of God gets revealed. Would you stand? I want you just to, um, if you're in the same family and you feel you can do this, this is kind of one of those COVID situations. But I just want you to just pray over the person next to you this prayer. You can either put your hand, hover it over them, (laughs) direct it towards them, or you can put your hand on them, whatever you're comfortable with and whatever they're comfortable with. What we're going to do right now is we're going to invite God, his rule, his kingdom to come. God wants to do that every day, all the time. And he wants his finger to come upon that person that you're praying for right now. God, who is above all things, who created all things, who is the finisher and the beginner, the beginner and the finisher of all things. The spirit who breathes life into humans. Who restores and brings back to life the dead. We, we just pray for the person that we our hand is directed towards. And we pray your spirit to come upon them. And just pray, God, now, for where the the devil has had a stronghold in their life, break it now in the name of Jesus. Where they need to be renewed because there's brokenness because of sin that has been done to them and sin that they have done, Lord, would you just come and begin a process of renewing that area of their life? God, for mouths that actually have been silenced and have not had the courage and boldness to tell somebody just how good you are, I speak freedom over that person to share just how good you are. And I pray, God, for abundance in this person's life. I pray that you would prosper them in every way that they could share what, that blessing with others. I pray for a joyful spirit. I pray for um, them to have abundance of resources for themselves and enough, and more than enough to give away abundantly. I pray, Lord, that you give them a happy heart, one that, that bubbles over with joy, I pray God you give them a grace to forgive the unforgivable. Lord, that be really they become I have a reputation for being the one who easily forgives, the one who does not hold grudges, who does not gossip, but actually builds up, encourages and affirms. We bless this person, God, let your finger come on them in a new way now. Let your rule come in a way that other people go, what is it with you? Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Holy Spirit, you are welcome just to fall afresh on each head right now. Do it because you are God. Do it because we are your children. Give us the best of yourself, God. We receive you now in Jesus' name. We receive your work. Now, we've heard two stories Surely there's more stories that you can tell each other of God's work that you've seen. Go go and gossip about God.